At the climax of Frozen, Anna's body is becoming ice. She's been told that an act of true love can thaw a frozen heart. So she rushes back to her fiancé, Hans, expecting that a kiss will do the trick. But to her horror, Hans turns out to be a villain. Reeling from this shock, Anna realises that Kristoff, not Hans, is the man who truly loves her. So she staggers out into the cold to find him. Then Anna sees Hans about to murder her sister. Anna has a choice to make. Save herself or save her sister. She rushes to protect Elsa and turns to ice just as Hans, Hans' sword falls. But as Elsa weeps over her frozen sister's frozen body, Anna thaws. The act of true love that could thaw Anna's heart was not a kiss from Hans or Kristoff, as she thought. It was Anna's own act of love, sacrificing herself to save her sister. Now some of you might be wondering why I'm starting off with this story and how it relates to our passage today. Well the reason is, sometimes, like Anna, we too can be tricked into doing things in ways that we think are right, based on how we feel about things, or what the world has told us. We often believe the lie that living for our pleasure, or for our desires, is the best and only way to live rather than trusting what God says. Intentional or not, we have all, without exception, exchanged the truth about God for a lie and decided to live our own way, with ourselves as the only one that matters. It's what the Bible calls sin, and we are all guilty. Now hands up if you've ever seen anyone fall off a cliff, like literally with your own two eyes, you've seen someone fall off a cliff. Has anyone seen that? Just a cliff, you know, like a very large cliff. Like hundreds of kilometers, any, uh, hundreds of meters. Anyone seen? Anyone fall off a cliff? Okay, yeah, no, I didn't think so. No, we haven't, right? Because usually there's a helpful sign saying danger, cliff, or cliff edge approaching. People usually heed the warning and don't go near the edge, right? Well, that's exactly what today's passage from 1 Corinthians 6 is. It's a warning. Like a danger cliff sign, the Apostle Paul is warning the Corinthian church that the sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, these are all ways of living that will rule them out from living with God forever. He's saying, don't go anywhere near those sins. Don't go thinking that they're okay lest you fall off the eternal cliff. You see, the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. They were selfish. They fought amongst each other. And some of them were openly committing shameful acts with other people in the church. It was getting to a point where some of their behavior was becoming so ingrained in their way of life that they were even boasting in their sin. So in this letter, Paul was reminding them that all those things that they're doing, they're sinful before God. He's saying, that's your old way of living, when you were unrighteous before God. But you aren't that anymore. You're now in Christ. Their identity wasn't to be found in their old sinful way of living, but in the new holy life they share with Christ now. 
And we see this in our passage in the language of verse 11, where Paul says, And such were some of you. Past tense. Not, and such are some of you, or not, some of you will be. He's saying, he says, were, to remind them that their identity is now in Christ, not their past. As the last part of verse 11 says, they were washed, sanctified, and justified in the name uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. They've been made clean, made holy, made right before God who loves them. So for those who now trust in Jesus, living in sin simply doesn't make sense. God says, remember that and flee from sin. Your desire now is to love God and follow Him. But there's a problem here, isn't there? The problem is that for some of the things that Paul mentions, our culture doesn't accept as things that are wrong or things that separate us from God. Like the Corinthians, we too have some ideas so ingrained in our way of thinking because of the culture that we live in. In fact, some of you here may even be secretly disagreeing with some of the things listed. Stealing? Okay, sure, that's probably wrong. Adultery and greed? Yeah, that's bad too. But getting drunk every now and again, sleeping around with your girlfriend or boyfriend, can't, that can't be too bad. And practicing homosexuality? Sure, surely that's fine. I mean, love is love, right? You can't deny what people feel and identify with. I want to pause here to point out a couple of things regarding homosexuality. Firstly, when the Bible talks about homosexuality being a sin, it's talking about the practice of living out a homosexual lifestyle, rather than just being attracted to someone of the same sex. Our passage makes this clear when it says men and women who practice homosexuality. For example, the author of the book, 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask About Christianity, shares how she herself is attracted to other women, but she doesn't act on that urge because she wants to be faithful to what God says about marriage and homosexuality. You see, you can still be a Christian and struggle with same-sex attraction. The other thing to mention is that while the Bible speaks against living out a homosexual lifestyle, that doesn't mean that we should be judgmental and hateful of people in gay relationships. Christians are called to love their gay and lesbian friends and to share the gospel with them, just as they would with any other non-believers. We're going to explore how to actually do that later in our discussion groups, but we'll see a glimpse of it in the life of Jesus who hung out with sinners and tax collectors. You see, Jesus didn't let people's sin stop him from showing love to them. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, it's not, the, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thirdly, we can't let sin, let the sin of practicing homosexuality distract from the other sins listed in the Bible. For example, included in the scope of sexual immorality are other sins, such as sex outside of marriage, which is even more common in our culture. Our world and our culture says, eat, drink, be merry, live for today, for tomorrow we die. Love is love. But the Bible says, God is love, and frames our identity 
in light of where we stand with Jesus. So will you be bold for Jesus, standing up for what God says against him? You're all probably familiar with John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the next verse, verse 17, goes further to say that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Likewise, our passage here today is not here to condemn us, but it's encouraging us to turn from our sins and remember our identity in Jesus. So when it comes to today's passage, the question we actually need to reflect on is how we feel about God and his word to us. Do you trust what Jesus says? Do you believe it to be true? Do you take God at his word and believe that his plans for you are for your ultimate good? Well, last week, we saw the testimony from Joni Erickson that though she initially despaired at God's apparent abandonment of her in her disability, she would later realise that it was God's way of bringing her back to a deeper relationship to Him. It was her frozen Anna moment. What she thought was the best way for God to love her was in fact very different to how God actually did. She quoted from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which has quickly become a favorite verse of mine. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Perhaps there are some of you here tonight who may be struggling in sin. You may be at your wit's end because inside you actually want to compromise, follow your heart and go with the things that seem so right and feel so true. You may find you're always drawn to that dodgy website. You're drawn to hoard money instead of being generous with it. You're tempted to steal from others by being lazy, copying their work. You're tempted to say hurtful and evil things to others. And also tempted to follow the world's standards of sexuality rather than God's. But know this, our God is good and he loves us more than you can imagine. He has the best plans for us, to prosper us and not to harm us. He means to bring us to a better joy and a deeper satisfaction, far better than anything this world can offer us. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 7, that if we who are evil know how to give good things to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? So will you trust this word of God tonight? Will you heed his warning? Well, let's pray and ask for the Spirit's help to flee sin and fly to Christ who is infinitely better. How about you join me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God of love who loves us deeply and has shown us that love through our Lord Jesus. For those of us who are struggling in sin tonight or feel dirty because of it, Help us to heed your warning and see Jesus, who washes us and makes us right with you. Help us to be a youth group that cares for each other and is willing to fight against sin together without judging others. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.